welcome back to Who's There. I'm your host, Allison. If you're new here, thank you for joining us. This is a podcast where I talk to a new horror fan every week because I hope to destigmatize what it means to be a horror movie fan. Because most of us are just regular people who like the adrenaline rush of being scared for some reason, and here we delve into all of those reasons. I'm so excited because this week we have my friend Joe Ferry on the show. He's one of the hosts of the podcast, No Film Left Behind, and Films at First Sight. He's also a contributor at Bloody Good Horror and the Wicked Wild podcast. I met Joe through the BGH community, and we have wildly different tastes in horror movies. He talks about why he loves Jala movies, why he doesn't really have a favorite horror movie, and how we get into horror movies thanks to family gatherings at Thanksgiving. He also gives advice to parents who want to introduce their kids to horror and what scares him most in horror. One last thing before we get into this episode, if you love the show and haven't left us a review on iTunes yet, I'd be so grateful if you could take a second to rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and subscribe to our feed wherever you listen to us. Thank you to everyone who's already left us a review. It's so appreciated as it really helps people to find us. I think I've rambled enough, so let's get into this episode with Joe Ferry. Hey, Joe, how are you? Good. How are you tonight, Allison? I'm good. I'm so excited that we're chatting. Um, we met uh, through Bloody Good Horror, and we've been chatting about our differences in horror movie tastes for a couple Chasmic. of now. Chasmic differences. I mean, yeah, but I'm so excited you're here. Do you want to start by telling everyone a little bit about yourself, how you're feeling tonight, where you're from, etc.? Uh, yeah, uh, I'm... Let's see. I'm living in Phoenixville, a little, little town in Pennsylvania, which is in the suburbs of Philadelphia. It's probably best known for the Colonial Theater, where the blob was shot. And actually, a bunch of the movie was shot around other parts of town. I'm feeling pretty good. It's been like a um, too much of a not really globe trekking week, but I uh, was just in Florida and then got back, had about two days to burn at work and then got in my car and drove from Pennsylvania down to Tennessee to hang out with some friends to watch a bear do a lot of cocaine. Nice. So, Did you have to do any cocaine for the drive either way? No, no. Like, uh, like what I have in my hand right now, just coffee, coffee <laughs> and like water. Like I tend to like, precipitously hydrate myself i'm like constantly snacking and drinking as i'm like doing long drives which means i had to stop like six times to go to the bathroom yeah that that makes sense i mean the coffee dehydrates you so you have to rehydrate somehow chemistry love it oh my god yeah and you're a scientist too so you cure cancer by day Um, oh no i do i get no credit there (laughs) uh so first things first what's your favorite scary movie Ah, oh, fuck. I actually don't have a favorite because my, like my taste changes. Like one day it could be this, the other, uh, the next, it could be, uh, something else. But if I were to pick one right off the top of my head, peeping Tom. Okay, cool. I've actually never seen that one before. So it was made about. before 1990. So that, that tracks for you. Yeah. Yeah, you got me there. I'll have so, to watch it at some time, at some point. <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a fun it's a fun proto slasher. Looks absolutely fucking gorgeous. Uh, interesting story about its creation and how it essentially like torpedoed the uh, director 
uh, and his career. Um, it does has really interesting use of POV and, and it's like really one of the more interesting things that I, I love that the genre can do is the, the movie opens up and you're in this POV shot watching a, um, a, a, a prostitute at night kind of looking around, looking for, uh, looking for a John. And then she starts being followed and you realize that uh, she's being stalked throughout like the streets. Then she gets back to her house and then you watch her get stabbed like in that POV shot. And then the camera pans out and you're watching the killer watching the video of it. And then the camera slightly shifts off to the side and it makes very, it makes it known really well that uh, you're not only watching these things happen, but you're almost complicit in its journey as a partner with the killer for the rest of the movie. And I think that's so beautifully manipulative, like uh, such an early technique. It was 1960 when this thing was done. Oh, that sounds, yeah, that does sound really interesting, actually. I'll have to see if it's streaming anywhere. So, how did you first fall in love with the horror genre? Ah, I, I credit my family. Um, like all good things, you occasionally uh, have a, a cousin. Uh, in this in this instance, I had my cousin Dan uh, and my aunt Mary Lou. Uh, Thanksgivings were uh, really the one time that that little bit of the family would get together if it wasn't funerals. So we hang out in uh, their little row home in Northeast Philly, and during the day it was a horror movie, then it was eat dinner. And then after dinner, it was either one of the Rocky movies or one or one of the Star Wars movies. And at this point, it was there was only three at uh, then. Um, so I was seven or eight years old, and they put on for their afternoon entertainment an American Werewolf in London. Nice. And it all kind of uh, I was instantly enamored. Asked my cousin for uh, some more recommendations, and he put uh, the Evil Dead, a VHS copy of the Evil Dead, and uh, also a copy of Michael Mann's Manhunter in my hand. And uh, I was a latchkey kid. My parents weren't watching what I was reading <laughs> or watching, so it was off to the fucking races. Oh, that's so cool. Uh, so watching the Evil Dead, is that how you got into like cheesy 80s horror? Um, I don't know if the Evil Dead was really my gateway there. Uh, before that, like my dad was really into sci-fi, so even younger, I was watching old '50s sci-fi movies, and I think there's like a kind of like a hokiness, not only to like the the effects, but also the stories and how they're all told, and so kind of seeing those worlds collide, um in that instance uh, between the horror and really that, that indie grade budget of uh, a goddamn shoestring. Um, there's something I really, really fell in love with. Nice. So why do you think the people who seem perfectly sane love the horror genre? Oof. Um, I think there's a lot to get out of it. And I think some people, I think, People that seem perfectly sane. Well, guess what? I, I actually, word of warning, 
anybody that appears perfectly sane probably is not perfectly sane. <laughs> um, but I think there's so many different things that are done in the genre that you can get out of it. Like some people could like may use it as a therapy. I tend to lean like heavy into shit like that, where it's like, okay, something happens and I'm feeling really bad about it. I tend to start to watch a lot of movies that may involve that one instance. Mm, um, and horror always let me explore my thoughts and feelings uh, about some darker things. Uh, maybe like I didn't have a, uh, easy childhood and so it kind of let me explore that uh, that aspect and the, the the violence aspect of it um and i guess on the sane factor it's it's a safe space right but you can explore things that you may not be able to in mod like everyday society without looking like a fucking weirdo and do it and not necessarily be judged for it yeah that makes sense did you watch a lot of pandemic horror during 2020? And since you like to watch horror movies that you can relate to or, you know, something that you're going through? A little bit. Yeah. So like uh, Host is uh, one of the earlier movies. And I watched that with uh, with friends as we were all on Zoom together. Nice. So that was fun. And there's a few other like non-horror movies that either dealt with the pandemic or were shot shot during the pandemic. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, was it like, uh, you ever hear of Cassandra Crossing? Mm -hmm. No. Action, almost adventure, uh, Burt Lancaster, uh, Sophia Loren, and it's about a virus uh, breaking out in a train mm. and then essentially the government quarantining that train, not letting it stop. And it, like it all has to get to the Cassandra crossing. And so it kind of dealt with a lot of what we were going through uh, globally in this uh, early movie. I think that's uh, early seventies too. Oh, wow. That sounds like a cross between train to Busan and like Snowpiercer. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh not as good as either of those. <laughs> but. So what scares you today in horror movies? Ooh, that is a tougher question. I'm not sure if I get scared in horror movies anymore. Um, I get squeamish. I actually know. You know what? I'm going to take that back. Um, once I became a parent, uh, things with kids kind of really like fucked me up. Mm -hmm. Um, that was like the one thing I was like, oh shit, I I can't really watch this without either you're thinking of your own kids and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, like societal commentary, especially if it's like really fresh, uh, that doesn't really bother me. Some gore bothers me. Like I mean the I fucking hate Terrifier. Okay. I uh I had just major issues with it. Wasn't a fan. I'm intrigued though to still watch the second one, which doesn't make any goddamn sense because <laughs> I think it's just the same thing but bigger and longer. Yeah. S sitting through two and a half hours of that does not sound pleasant to me, but um the more I think about it as I just ramble on the one thing that scares me the most in horror is 
boredom. And I'm looking at you, Skinnamarink. Like, huh. terrifying. Oh, man. Shade. Shade. <laughs> uh, so you were not a fan? Actually, no, like, so here's the thing. It looks so much like not my thing. Avoided it. Like, actively, actively avoided it. I was like, I, I want nothing to do with that. I, um... I don't like the paranormal activity movies, um, the, the the graininess of how it looked and then kind of hearing what it was. I'm, I love the idea, the experimentalist aspect of it uh, really. And I, I can see what they're getting at, but yeah. So, and that's what, like the shitty thing on me for being like shading a movie that I've never watched. So I, I really do belong on Twitter. I'll say that much. Oh, you've never seen it. Oh my no. God. Oh. Get out right? Of here. <laughs> oh. All right. So we've talked a lot about we've talked a lot about this before in the past, but what are what is your favorite subgenre of horror? Ah uh, uh Jalo. Jalo, Jalo, Jalo. Uh anybody that knows me knows I'm obsessed with it. Um yeah, there's um, it's such a uh, it's fun in the way like I love a good fucking murder mystery. <laughs> uh, you grew up on like a uh, clue murder. Uh, what was it? Um, murder by death. And uh, you ever see like uh, the beast must die? No. It is uh, a dinner party. It's like clue, except instead of trying to figure out who the murderer is, you have to figure out who the werewolf is it's like calvin lockhart it's great they even have a fucking werewolf break for the audience to like kind of shout out who they think the uh, werewolf is hmm, which uh, which i appreciate so the uh the, the murder mystery aspect of it I, I like um it's chock full of some of the most gorgeous sets and costume design that i've ever seen on film and then you buoy that with um enough like enough like sleaze and sex and uh you have my interest for however long you want to try to tell what ends up usually being a nonsensical bit of red herrings and uh, a lot of blood so who are your favorite horror directors uh, i tend to lean italian um and so uh Fulci, uh Bava a classic, but Sergio Martino uh is always great. There's an intensity to what he's uh he he films. Um and it may not necessarily be horror, but like anything uh De Palma um as well. So they, they tend to really kind of get me going. Uh, but it's it's exciting to see and they're all older too so i'm always on the lookout for the the next generation of directors that are going to kind of take the genre into a new area is that how are there any modern directors that have caught your eye a little bit hmm. trying to think of anybody's name off the top of my head that's going to be the problem and this is actually like, as we're getting closer to recording time, I was like, I know I'm going to be asked a bunch of questions about this, that, and the other. I was like, I'm going to end up blanking on names. Um, 
So Gareth Edwards did the apostle, which I thought was an interesting blend of folk horror um, and a few other genres. I, I will. I, I like what he does. Oh, um, the Timo brothers. So uh, I am going to butcher. It's like Timo Tawatan. I'm going to butcher his name. Uh, he's Indonesian. Uh, best known for, uh, was it? Well, the night comes for us, which is uh, his action movie. Uh, but maybe like the one of the bloodiest and most violent movies you'll ever see. Hmm. Uh, was it uh, Before the Devil Takes Us? Uh, him and that whole group of Indonesian directors, what they're doing in like the like 2010s to now, and even like with a bunch of upcoming stuff is um, really, really interesting. And who is the director of um, oh, um, incredibly sad, sad Mexican movie? Uh, Tigers are not afraid. Uh, I she's currently doing the upcoming Issa, season. Isa Lopez. Isa Lopez, yes. Um, she's fantastic, and so I always get really excited seeing anything, uh, anything from her coming out. Oh, I love those answers. I don't think anyone's ever said um, any of those directors before, aside from the old Italian dudes. So. Yes, the, the the old Italian dudes are are your your basic. Uh, White guy with a beard that's in the horror, like, oh, I like old Italian horror movies. Like, <laughs> of course you do. I guess that's why I'm not a fan of them. So, not old white dude. Yeah, that's, that's okay. Uh, to each their own. And that's the other thing. Like, there's so much of like a vibrant difference of subgenres across horror. That just let people like what they like. And so like somebody like yourself, like our, again, we have alluded to the fact that our tastes are wildly different. I love hearing of your passion behind all of the movies that I'm like, uh, <laughs> all right. Like what are, what some, what are some of those movies that, um, that I love that you're like, meh. Uh, Scream 3. Uh, well, I mean, that's it. Everyone thinks everyone has that reaction to Scream 3. I'm the only one that likes it. So, uh, what else? Uh, I'm still surprised. Like you, the the candle or torch you hold for the Black Christmas remake, yeah, is uh, it's it's pretty goddamn good. <laughs> uh, not the movie, but your passion for it. The movie's great. Go out and watch it. 2019. <laughs> uh, you're the host of the podcast Films at First Sight with Caitlin Grant, who was a guest on here last year. And you also host the podcast No Film Left Behind with Jody Webster, who was my very first guest ever. So tell me about both of those shows and how you came up with the ideas for them. So, um, well, we just announced on films that Caitlin no longer with the show. Oh, okay. Uh, she uh, She's still doing her thing at Plug It Up. Uh, time and uh, energy and all of that uh, ended up uh, kind of getting in the way and it was a uh an amicable amicable split uh so uh graham is who was who joined as a co-host has kind of stepped in uh on that aspect and is now like the it's just us two doing it 
with a format change and all of that. The uh, the whole reason I got into it and the whole reason I got into podcasts is just because I like talking to my friends about movies and I like showing people new movies. I tend to watch a lot of weird and terrible shit and weird and good shit or just off the beaten path and real or even just mainstream. Um, and so I wanted to make a show that I was never bound by genre and I could either bring somebody on or talk to my co-host and I could show them a movie they've never seen before, or they could show me a movie that I never saw before. And really it was an excuse to do that. And the creation was early on in the pandemic. Like, so I, I, I want to know the statistics on this. I'm pretty sure the uh, number of people that made sourdough starters is like equal to the number of people that started making podcasts as soon as the pa- uh, that pandemic. <laughs> Probably. I think, I think that's pretty accurate to say the least. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, uh, it's fun. We, uh, we just kicked off season two with a really, really, really fucking good movie. Uh, Park Chan Wook's, um, Decision to Leave. It was uh, released at the end of 2022. Uh, thriller, murder mystery, it involves femme fatale. There's like an inherent eroticism to the movie, even though nothing like sexual or erotic happens. It's really fucking interesting and maybe one of the most romantic movies of uh, last year for me. Um, so that was that was fun oh i've definitely i've heard of it i haven't watched it maybe maybe i'll have to watch it soon Sounds highly cool. recommended i mean if you recommend it i probably won't like it just because <laughs> we have such different tastes but maybe i'll try it anyway there's enough to unpack all right and then what about no film left behind so no film left behind was uh it's me and jody and that again we're about to launch season two uh we're getting into uh, starting to record that that culminated from many late nights usually after like the last drive and everybody be up in like a, a chat channel talking about that and then we'd stay up for like another movie afterwards until about like three or four in the morning and we're always watching weirder stuff um Jody has a taste as bad and as odd as mine. And we just kind of hit it off. And so we thought, all right, well, what if we make a show and we start to go into really areas of film that could be uh, not necessarily forgotten, but maybe ignored um, sometimes for good reason, other times not. And we, we did that. And I think, <laughs> We have a little bit of a format change. And I think Jody's goal, Jody said his goal was let's create a podcast that nobody will listen to and our friends and family will be utterly ashamed of. So that's what we're doing. And uh, season two should be fun. There was all that discourse on the uh, internet recently about sex scenes in movies, right? Uh, I don't know if you saw any of that. I have not, no. Uh, I think it may have stemmed from, uh, was it Show You? Okay. And uh, actor asking for, uh, he wanted 
all of his sex scenes cut cut out of the upcoming season. And hey, that's his call. But it started this discourse on Twitter where people were asking or saying like, yeah, they they feel that there shouldn't be sex scenes in movies. Uh, some people even in, like inferred that a sex scene in movie takes away the agency of not only the viewer, but the characters themselves. And therefore what you're doing is like, I guess in um, non-consensual, which doesn't make a goddamn lick of sense to me considering how constructed movies are. Yeah. Uh, and then other people mentioned they're like, oh, there used to be this, this Hollywood code and they it allowed it was in like it was way back in the day and it allowed all of this to be taken out of films so we didn't have to deal with it and what they're talking about is the Hayes code which essentially like sterilized art for 30 years and that type of shit pisses me off like let people make the art they want and so we're contributing to the discourse with our upcoming season and um slight shift of gears and we're looking at all sorts of adult and erotic movies uh from thrillers to movies that look at um adult the adult film industry in like a meta aspect hmm. um and kind of approaching this uh my my family is not too happy about it as i'm starting to amass all of these movies for research and books <laughs> and all of that but uh you know what? Let let adults make adult decisions. Let people be horny if they want to. You don't have to watch it. Yeah. That's just my opinion. Yeah. So that's a little bit about the two shows that I have. That's awesome. Um, well, I can't wait to hear you talk about raunchy movies. Um, yeah. yeah, I feel like if somebody could get a Serbian film produced and people aren't up in arms about that on the internet, at least not anymore, I feel like you can have some sex scenes in a movie. Agreed. <laughs> Any plans to start another podcast? Why not three? Absolutely not. No. <laughs> so uh, the the two are uh, enough to handle. So we uh, when we've started uh, No Film Left Behind, we were covering five to seven movies an episode. Oh, God. And it was a grind and a Burnt both of us out. Jody has his uh, other show, Dads from the Crypt. Um, I have writing I do on the side. I write for Bloody Good Horror and I write for The Wicked Wild, and so it started kind of <laughs> bleeding into all of that. So I'm go we're we're trimming it down two episodes, two movies an episode, and I'll stick to two podcasts and I'll stick to two writing uh, ventures. Two is a good number. Do you have any guest spots coming up on the Wicked Wild podcast or Bloody Good Horror coming up anytime soon? Um, I don't believe so. Um, Wicked Wild tends to do guests just during camp, uh, like their Camp Wild. Mm -hmm. uh, I was on there for their first camp and uh, we covered uh, Prey. Oh. Um, Bloody Good Horror... Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, uh, but my writing is going to be kind of getting ramped back up on uh, both of those sites as we're fresh into, holy shit, March in two days. <laughs> That's disgusting uh, to even realize that right now. Um, but I started a, um, 
started an ongoing writing piece for the Wicked Wild, looking at regional cinema. And it's like called it's like a regional cinema roadmap. And so what I tried to do is find a movie that was actually filmed in an exact location, break down like that actual location um, historically, maybe through their own like subsets of uh, myth and culture and interweave how the film itself plays into all of that or why it's a good setting. And hopefully examine one what's so important and what uh, about regional films and regional cinema itself, and what we can kind of glean um, about American culture uh, from that very thing. Oh, that's so cool! That sounds so interesting. I can't wait to uh, read that. Thanks. There's a there's a Texas movie that I'll be doing that I think you'll like. That um, um, what is a promising young woman. Uh, owes very much like there uh what it did to this older movie filmed in texas oh okay yeah i'm definitely interested in that because i love quote unquote love promising young woman hard so, movie to like love love yeah right yeah um so does your partner like hard does she ever no, watch horror movies it. with you? Oh my goodness. Was this ever a point of tension between you since you're like loving horror? Um, not really. Uh I mean, clearly horror wasn't like a bond that we had. <laughs> um, and she tries at times. And like she'll come out to the theater, like she came out for Lost Boys, and she'll come out for like fun stuff, yeah. but things that get like too intense. Yeah. I, she's out on too gory out on and it's really funny because she loves true crime shit <laughs> and she's always watching true crime documentaries which i hate and i'm like ah oh, how could you be watching this and so we have kind <laughs> of the same uh feeling towards each other uh, about things that we we really enjoy and so we give each other a little bit of space to enjoy those things and uh find other ways to to connect and spend time oh that's awesome opposites attract so yeah definitely <laughs> so you also have two young kids they're a little bit too young for like scream but have you introduced um either of them to any gateway horror or do you have any plans for doing that when they're old enough uh yeah definitely um my daughter does not like scary stuff and so i've probably already traumatized her by trying to get her to watch stuff uh, my son, on the other hand, loves scary stuff. <laughs> uh, and so, and as Ava, Ava's my daughter, uh, as she gets older, I think her taste is starting to change and she's maturing and not, isn't as scared as she used to be. Uh, and so sometimes she'll, she'll sit, if it's, she'll realize, oh, this isn't a Marvel movie, but it has something that's capturing my, uh, my interest. Uh, but yeah, Nolan and I will go down like a rabbit hole with uh, with horror. And it's funny you mentioned a gateway. Uh, I showed him the gate and he uh, he loved that movie, uh, which is awesome because then I love that movie as a kid. And, and then, of course, we have our uh, perennial favorites, um, Lady in White. I don't know if you ever saw that uh, older I've movie. I've heard of it. Some uh, past guest has um, had mentioned it to me before that they that it was one that they loved as a kid. Yeah, it's a, it captures that Halloween like yeah. aura. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so that's a good one. So I'm constantly trying to poke and prod them into uh, my, see if they like my own uh, interest in the weird spooky shit. Nice. Well, do you have any advice for uh, horror fans that want to introduce their kids to um, horror movies? Uh, yeah. Um, don't be afraid of scaring them. I, I think uh, the one thing we get, you get so protective of your kids that you're like, oh, this is going to be a little bit too much for you. But whenever you speak to people that are like really passionate about it, they remember those nights of like either they snuck something in or they saw something they shouldn't have seen. Um, Laura, for instance, remembers uh, coming downstairs and I, her dad was watching killer clowns from outer space. And it's a PG 13 movie. Is it that scary? Not by now, like today's standards. She sees those fucking clowns and she's like, uh, uh-uh, no, turns the other way. <laughs> so, uh, don't be afraid to scare your kids is going to be my advice. I don't know if it's good advice, but yeah. So you heard it here first, traumatize your children, do it early. <laughs> And Laura, Laura, by the way, is your partner, not one of your kids, right? Correct. Yes. So <laughs> Laura is my significant other. Uh, Ava is my daughter. Nolan is my son. Oh, such cool names. Um, so an article came out in 2020 that said that horror movie fans were handling lockdown better than non-horror movie fans. Why do you think that was the case? Hmm. Nice pregnant pause right there. As I as I think on this answer, not try to say uh, anything too stupid. I mean, horror movie fans they they love. Think about the the type of uh, films that they like adore. They're ones where uh, sometimes the outside world is in utter chaos, and you're left stuck inside of a house screaming and fighting for your life. And so I think there's a, um, not necessarily a programming, but an affinity for situations that suddenly didn't seem foreign. Mm -hmm. And so therefore uh, the adaptability um, in, in the face of actual danger was there. And therefore that you break down a little bit of that emotional resonance and are able to, Hopefully cope a little bit better. Um, oh, maybe they're also desensitized weirdos. I, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not going to speak for the entire group of people. That's a great answer. Both of them. Um, are there any horror movies that you won't watch or that you won't watch ever again? Um, yes. Uh, trying to think what they are. The Conjuring. What? <laughs> Yeah, I just don't you don't care. you don't like it, or it's too scary. I just oh no, definitely not too scary. I was just kind of like oh, okay, cool, that's it. I'm good. <laughs> I never went back for uh, for seconds on that one. Um, some of the stuff in the uh, French extremism movement, mm-hmm. uh, I won't go back for. Um martyrs is is another one yeah. uh it has to kind of be it maybe would have to be like the right the right moment of like okay i have to sh- i have to show this to somebody and that's why i'm watching it or it's programmed in front of me and i have no other choice but to sit there and watch it mm-hmm. yeah 
yeah, that. Um, oh, um, shit. Speaking of martyrs, like any movie that has actual trauma associated with its production, it, I I tend not to go back back to. So uh, the shining. And, uh, that that's a good point. So now, now I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth. I love that movie. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, Kubrick tortured uh, Shelley Long. Shelley Long? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and then you think of like the birds, right? Just Hitchcock throwing literal birds at Tippi Hedren forever. Yeah. But um yeah, that I guess I'm a hit. I'm being I'm being a pointed out for a noted bit of hypocrisy, in the sense that those movies, they're held in classics. I'll go back to. I had issues with uh, Polanski, so I, it's yeah. one of the reasons I never saw. I still haven't seen Rosemary's Baby. Mm, okay. Um, I just saw Deranged. Um few months back for the first time um a fantastic movie probably won't go go back to uh jeepers creepers yeah gonna avoid that one <laughs> not giving that motherfucker any of my money um yeah or anything with uh i wouldn't even say like yeah because i was gonna say things with uh animal animal stuff in it is like really hard to uh digest even though like cannibal Holocaust has like one of the best soundtracks in all of horror. <laughs> I've never seen it. So I don't, I don't know what the soundtrack is. Doesn't see it. Doesn't seem like your bag. <laughs> Valid. Probably, probably true. You know, I think, you know, my, my taste uh, well enough by now. So have you, you go to see a lot of movies, uh, special screenings at the Colonial and everything. Have you ever had any noteworthy experiences seeing a horror movie in theaters? Oh, absolutely. Um, so Exhumed Films uh, has recently in the past couple of years buddied up with the Colonial and some of their screenings. Uh, getting to see certain film prints um, has just, it, it felt like a magical moment. Uh, but being a, at their last 24 hour horathon, not falling asleep the entire time. Oh my God. And so being awake for, it was about hour 25 and they finally got to their last movie and I'd never seen it. And so I got to finally watch the descent. <gasps> oh my goodness. In, and I am at that point sleep deprived um it was uh it was a really really cool fucking moment yeah that's awesome i got to see that um on a big screen as well last september i think when momo was doing their their horror event like retrospective kind of they did for a couple months yeah that's good that's good so what has been your favorite new horror movie that you've seen in 2023 so far does it have to be a movie from 2023? No, just any movie that you've seen for the first time in 2023. Oh, that's a that's a good question. So it wasn't the best movie I've seen, but Cocaine Bear was just fun. 
<laughs> if you like having fun, and especially if like you can watch a um watch it with a good audience, that's always like really important. Uh but I'm gonna have to go with Project Wolf Hunting. I haven't even heard of that. Um just came out stateside. It released last year. I think at, um, you could see it if you went to like Fantastic Fest. Mm-hmm. Uh, some I saw somebody describe it as uh, Con Air meets The Raid meets Resident Evil. And okay. it's all about uh, prisoners being transported on a ship. They get free and they start essentially like killing off all of the uh, guards and, and what have you. Meanwhile, there's something else on the ship. And it is just one of the bloodiest goddamn movies I've ever seen. Like when somebody gets stabbed, it's like Wednesday in like the family play from uh, the Adams family (laughs) where it's just perpetual blood spray. (laughs) Hmm. All right. Well, maybe I'll watch that, but I don't know. Not sure. No, I've never seen any of those movies that you compared it to, so I don't know if it's for me. But speaking of blood, have you seen The Sadness? No. Oh, okay. Well, that's yeah. one of one of the bloodiest movies I've ever seen. So it's on Shutter. Okay, I will have yeah. to check that out. I know I saw uh, that came out last year, right? Yeah, it came to Shutter last year. Yeah. So. Yeah, it, it's not a fun one. I say it's in the title. It's the sadness. Yes, but it's also I saw it at Brooklyn Horror Film Festival in 2021 and before they when they came out to introduce it they were like thanks all for coming. This is one of the bloodiest, goriest, most violent including sexual violence horror movies we've ever seen before, so get ready. Enjoy. I was like, "Oh fuck. What did I do? What did I sign up for?" What time? Uh, do you remember what time they showed it? I think it. I don't think it was that late. I think it was like seven p.m. It was the last. It was the last movie of the entire festival. So okay, yeah. All right. It's not like kids go to the film festival, so yeah, they didn't have to worry about that. Well, I wasn't sure if it was like a midnight movie or something like that. No, no, no. It definitely was not at midnight. I don't stay up that late for movies. <laughs> Um, on the flip side, what horror movie yeah. are you most looking forward to seeing in the rest of 2023? Ah, that's a good question. I'm not, I'm trying to think of what's even coming out. Um, I'm excited to see what Scream 6. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'll be fun. I, I like the fact that honestly, I want to see Ghostface just turn into like John Wick. And all of a sudden, just using guns and using all of this other shit, make everybody piss the fuck off. <laughs> if if he can kill somebody with a garage door, just let the man have at it. Yeah. Or woman. Let them have at it. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited to see where they go with it. Where, like, this ghost face is quote-unquote different. He has a shrine. He has, like, all this, all these artifacts. So... We'll see what happens. But we also have The Exorcist remake or reboot or whatever it is. Uh, Renfield, Evil Dead Rise, The Boogeyman, the next Insidious movie. 
So those are all coming out this year too. Okay. I finally saw the trailer for Evil Dead Rise. Um, eh, no, I'm not. I, no. And I like the evil. I like the Evil Dead, but there's something about it. I'm like, uh, tepid on it. I actually wasn't a fan of the remake, and that probably puts me in a, a weird minority of uh, fans that were just absolutely enamored with it. That checks um, out because I liked the remake and I don't like the original, and I'm excited for this new one. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, I I felt like the remake was a little too beholden to the original on like we need to set it in a cab and all of this. And I wanted to see them kind of spread their wings. And so again, white man with a beard, hypocrisy coming. They put they set it in a fucking apartment building, which is entirely different than everything. <laughs> and I'm like, meh, nah. and I'm like. Why couldn't you just set it in a cabin? <laughs> oh, you, you just so you dumb. can't make white men happy. You really can't. Yeah. Maybe they'll do one in like Antarctica and you'll be like, okay, well, in a cabin in Antarctica. So what they need, they do it in uh so I would just think it's like a remake of the thing again. Yeah. But they weren't in a cabin. It's true. Are there even cabins in Antarctica? I feel like it's too cold for cabins. I have no idea. I don't live there. So are there any horror movies that you love that people generally don't like? Or do you have any um, hot takes on horror movies? Oh, yeah. Um, I try to think. I love a lot of low budget shit that would doesn't really do a lot of lot for people can you share also, some of the titles that you've sent that you've trolled me with over the last couple months uh, i'm trying <laughs> to remember uh so they're probably all jalo titles uh let's see but ones that people don't uh well i mean you had like some of the nudist ones but those weren't really horror I'm trying to think which ones did I send your way? Oh, you know what? So I love Santo. And while they may not be the greatest movies, I, I just, I, I love that man in the silver mask. And so like Santo versus, versus Dracula, or if you like, I'm like, Oh, you know what it feels really good for me right now? The wrestling women versus the Aztec mummy. <laughs> I absolutely, absolutely adore those movies. Everyone has to have a thing. Everyone has their own taste. Well, I get to share them with my kids. That's the other fun thing. Because they're like, they're essentially Scooby-Doo movies with a little bit of wrestling and then some monsters. You should, if you want to show them Scooby-Doo, show them Scream 3, because that's what everyone compares it to. So. That's true, but I, I don't think they're ready for uh, <laughs> Courtney Cox's bangs. The, the, this is a fair point. They're kind of traumatizing. Yeah, which at this point I feel is like just low-hanging fruit with uh, that movie. It's like anytime anybody wants to trash uh, that movie, the first thing they'll mention is Courtney Cox's bangs. And they'll ignore that just disgustingly green jacket she wears. <laughs> I'm getting one of those now just to just gonna wear it and be proud you should 
I'll be Courtney Cox and Scream 3 for Halloween. I'll That'd be fun. Cut, cut my bangs off, like, right here. Yeah. Yeah. Just go, it's just, you go straight across. It's going to be awesome. Thank you. Right. <laughs> um, If you could remake one horror movie, which one would it be? That is a great question. Um, It kind of gets at my feeling towards remakes in general. Um, I'm going to ramble a little bit as I think of an actual title. Uh, I, I think the mission of a remake should be not to remake something heralded or classic or good. I want fucking remakes of terrible movies. I want a remake of a movie that's bad and make it good. Mm-hmm. So I think that would be a, a more honorable way to uh, to approach it. And so as I uh, uh, remake of a movie, you know what? Ghosts of Mars that really terrible fucking John Carpenter flick with Natasha Henstridge and Ice Cube. I've never seen it. I've never even heard of it. It is horrible. It doesn't sound good. So I believe yeah. you. Yeah. So somebody remake that and make it great. Could you make it great though? Are there ghosts on Mars? I don't. I'm not even sure what these things were. They're like kind of like vampire type things. There's nonsense. Ah. <gasps> uh. Awesome. Okay, so my final question is, if you had to spend quarantine with one horror villain, who would it be? Hmm. Hmm. I'm gonna have to go... Does it have to be like a mainstream? It should probably be like a mainstream big uh, big villain, right? I'm gonna go with Leatherface. How come? Um wide variety of outfits to wear um probably pretty good in the kitchen um good handy with tools uh so we can make stuff yeah he knows how to i can look yeah absolutely yeah so like uh like grocery stores uh out of uh toilet paper he just found three teenagers and now we have enough toilet paper to last us two weeks Wait, because he's using the teenagers as toilet paper? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, this took a turn. It's leather. <laughs> like, it's, you figure he's just going to use all sorts of body parts, right? Oh, gross. Uh, super gross. So I, I'm just thinking of like a, pract- a practical utilitarian aspect. I'm yeah. stuck. It's a pandemic. I need to survive. Yeah. Plus, he usually has a really deep affinity for the people that he's kind of hunkered in with. Like, even in uh, the uh, remake, reboot, sequel thing, like, he didn't go crazy until the person that he was with, uh, we're assuming the mom or something like that was killed, right? Are we talking about Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022? Yes. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. So if I were to get injured and harm, I know somebody would have my back and get vengeance on that person. Yeah. Or busting people. Yeah. And he wears a mask. So. He does. Yeah. (laughs) 
right, maybe well, he'd they... wear my face um oh no but i thought you would survive well if i died like right because even he put on like his uh his mom's face for uh that one so i was all droopy well thank you so much for being here do you want to tell everyone where they can find you and your podcast on the internet Yes, um, you can find me on Twitter. And coming up, I got to figure out how to use Instagram. I've never done it before. So uh, that's going to be a personal adventure. Uh, so I got to set up it. I got to, I'm taking over our show's Instagram account. So I'll be doing things to the gram, as the kids say. I'm not even <laughs> sure if they actually say that anymore. Uh, so on Twitter, though, I am PS Trophy Hunter. Uh, no E in Hunter. Um, films at first sight and no film left behind can be found on any of your preferred podcast services. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. Don't think we have a Facebook page because, well, I, I don't want to open up that can of worms. Yeah, I don't think anyone uses Facebook anymore, so it's okay. Me, me Miles going to like my latest episode of the podcast talking about nuns. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you again for being here. And just so everyone knows, we are giving each other shit about our movie taste, but it's all just in fun. It's okay to Absolutely. have different tastes. So. Most definitely. All Thanks right. for having me on. Yeah, I'll talk to you soon. All right, bye. That's it for this week's episode of Who's There? I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Joe Ferry, and thanks again to Joe for coming on. I'll leave links to his Twitter and his podcast in the show notes below. You can follow us on Twitter at Who's There Pod. We're on Instagram at Who's There Podcast. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, horror movie recommendations, or you'd like to be a guest, shoot us an email at Who's There PC at gmail.com. Until next time, stay scary and never ask Who's There.